Welcome to the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. I'm your host, Larry Witzel. Seventh-day Adventist churches grow differently, and our goal with this podcast is to offer practical training for effective evangelism in the Adventist ministry context. We're excited to announce the 2024 Propel Conference coming back to Vancouver, Washington, April 28 through May 1. This year, we'll have a special emphasis on innovation with training tracks on digital evangelism and evangelistic innovation. But even with all this talk about innovation, we're going to stay focused on effectiveness, hearing from ministry professionals who are actually seeing numerical kingdom growth in their churches. You can see all the latest details and register to attend the conference on our website, propelconference.org. So save April 28 to May 1, 2024 for the next Propel Conference on church growth. Our speaker for this episode is Dr. Calvin Watkins Sr., Vice President of the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. He previously served as President of the Southwest Region Conference for two terms. He brings a wealth of experience, having worked as a conference evangelist and as a director for the Ministerial, Personal Ministries, and Community Services Departments. He's also the author of two books, Evangelism for the Next Millennium, and 101 Ways to Win Souls. In this sermon, Dr. Watkins emphasizes the importance of evangelism and being radical in faith. He reflects on his own time doing evangelism, speaking about the joy and fulfillment that he's found in this work. He reminds us of radicals from history like Martin Luther and Harriet Tubman and even Ellen White, and he points to Jesus as the ultimate radical, focusing on his teachings and actions that were unconventional for his time. He encourages each of us to be radicals in our own faith and our own service, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to make a real impact in the world. Dr. Watkins is a powerful preacher, and I know that you'll be inspired by this message. Before we get to that, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode, Seminars Unlimited. Their purpose is to serve your mission. With over 40 years of experience, they offer design, social media, banners, printing, bindery, and mailing of custom handbills and Bible study response cards. Evangelism is their passion, and you should definitely consider them for your evangelism marketing. You can learn more at their website, seminarsunlimited.org, or by calling 1-800-982-3344. With that, let's turn to Dr. Calvin Watkins, speaking at the 2023 Propel Conference on Radical Evangelism. From the North American Division, let me say how grateful I am for this meeting. For probably close to 40 years, I was doing evangelism full-time, along with my other responsibilities. And even at the division, I still continued to do evangelism. It's the best job I've had in God's church. Nothing excites me more, nothing gets my blood boiling, than to stand up and to preach the Word of God. Not to Adventists, but to non-Adventists. That's where the joy comes in. Matter of fact, this past year, I was in Hartford, Connecticut. They asked me to go there and to run a tent meeting. Now, I've done tent meetings for more than 40 years. And I said, I'm a little too old for that. And people say, you know, folks will not go to a tent anymore. After three weeks, I caught COVID. The Bible workers caught it. The praise team caught it, the ushers caught it, but we put up a second big tent and the crowd just kept 
coming. This is in the inner city. People just kept coming. And at the end of that convention, over a hundred souls were baptized. God has power to overcome all kinds of obstacles. God can do it and God did it and I am so grateful, so grateful for what God is doing. And so I bring you greetings from your division office, your president, Elder Alexander Bryant, who really believes that evangelism is what will make this church be what God requires of it to be. All over the North American division, we are seeing people engaged in evangelism. This is the church whose mission it is to tell the world that Jesus is soon to come. And the sad thing is that so many of our members today are forgetting about the mission of the church. We brag about our hospitals, we brag about our beautiful sanctuaries, we brag about our universities and our medical school. I say this evening it's time for us to brag about the power of God and what God can do. How many believe that tonight? Well, let's get to the Word of God. I'm not going to be long, but I want to talk this evening from the book of Mark. If you have your Bibles, if not, I'll just read here. Mark chapter 9. Let us pray. Father, we do not dare open up this book without first asking for forgiveness of our sins. Speak to us, O God, and speak through us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 9, starting at verse 14. And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway all the people, when they beheld him, Jesus, were amazed, greatly amazed, and running to him, saluting him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? Why are you questioning my disciples? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my sons with hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. And he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pitteth away and I spake to your disciples that they should cast him out and they could not I spoke to your disciples and asked him them to cast out the devil your disciples and they could not I am basically someone who loves history What I love most about history is to read biographies and autobiographies. I love to read books and stories about those who have made their impact on the world. I like to read about the pioneers. I like to study those who have made their mark, who have carved their name upon the dingy canvases of history. I love that. I love that. I love the mere fact that one person can make a change. You don't have to be educated to make a change, 
don't have to be rich. All you have to do is be willing and God will use you. Simple fact, God will use you. Now, in our text, in the book of Mark, chapter 9, I want to read it one more time. It says, and I went to your disciples and I asked them for help. But there was nothing that they could do. What I like about history is that those who have left their mark all have one thing in common. They are all radicals. A radical is somebody that's different. Somebody that marches to the beat of a different drummer. A radical is somebody that doesn't take the traditional path. While everybody else is swimming upstream, the radical swims downstream. They are people who are independent. They think for themselves. They're not guided by popular opinion. They're not restrained by culture, by political persuasions. They do things their way. They are called radicals. Let's look at some of those. Martin Luther, who tacked his theses on the walls of Wittenberg, he was a radical. He challenged Rome. He challenged the papacy. He marched to the beat of a different drummer. Let's talk about Harriet Tubman. This slave who escaped the South, went up North for her freedom. She became a conductor on the Underground Railroad. She had her freedom, but yet and still she went back into slavery and delivered over 300 slaves. She was a radical. Let's look at Lyndon Baines Johnson, this Southern president from one of the most racist states in the South became president, but yet and still he defied all of his southerners and signed the Voting Rights Act. A radical. Look at Martin Luther King. This little country preacher stood up and challenged the nation and said, we can do better, knowing that he was a marked man and that he would lose his life. He was a radical. Look at a little white lady named Ellen White. Y'all still believe in Ellen White out here, right? <laughs> Who wrote volume nine of the testimonies and reminded this church that we have an obligation to help those who've just come out of slavery. She did it at an unpopular time. She was a radical. Whenever you go against the grain, you are perceived as a radical. Well, I wanna to talk tonight from the subject, the radical from Galilee, the radical from Galilee. Nobody had ever seen anybody like Jesus before. Can I come down and talk 
I really can't see you. The lights are blinding me. Preachers ought to come down to where the people are. Of all those who have ever lived, there is nobody quite like Jesus. I've searched all the history books and couldn't find nobody. I looked high and low, couldn't find nobody. I went to Wikipedia, couldn't find nobody. I Googled it and still couldn't find anybody until I opened up God's word. And I saw a lot of great men in Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, but I still couldn't find anybody until I got to Matthew. And I saw a humble Galilean named Jesus. And I discovered there's nobody quite like Jesus. There's nobody who's ever lived like Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate radical. Even his birth was a radical birth. Who is born with an earthly mother but a divine father? Who is all man but yet God at the same time? Nobody but Jesus. Who is it? can snap his finger and the sun stands still. Nobody but Jesus. He's a radical God. He's a God like no other God. He's the only one I know that can look at the winds and the waves and say, peace, be still. A radical God. Some people cross lakes in boats, but Jesus walks on top of the lake. I'm talking about a radical God. Yes. A God who is able to touch eyes that are blind. Ears that are stopped up. Limbs that are twisted, he can straighten up. He's a radical God. Even what he says is radical. Who talks about and tells people, you must drink my blood? You must eat my flesh. That's a radical theology, am I right? Who is it that talks about loving folks? And if they smack you in the face, turn the other cheek. But master, if I turn the other cheek and they smack me again, and Jesus replies, then you got to forgive them seven times seven. That's radical theology. Jesus was the most radical leader that the world has ever seen. He was uneducated. Some would say he was illegitimate. But Jesus was right on point. He was the radical Galilean. Who can take sinners and forgive them? That's radical. The law says, take that woman that was caught in adultery and slay her. Take her outside the city gates and stone her to death. But Jesus is so radical. Instead of doing what they said do, he got down on his knees and he wrote in the sand. Uh That same finger 
that carved out those Ten Commandments. He took that same finger and he wrote in the sand. And after he wrote in the sand, they looked and they all walked away. Oh, he's a radical leader. Aren't you glad you serve a radical God that doesn't act like anybody you've ever seen before? You can do somebody else wrong. They won't forgive you and they won't forget. But Jesus is so radical. He will not only forgive you, he will forget your sins and cast them into the depths of the sea and remember them no more. A radical God. Oh, thank God for a God like that who can love me in spite of who I am. Yes, amen. Who cares about me in spite of what I do and how many times I deny him. That's what I like about my God. He's so radical. He doesn't look down on anybody. Amen. I never will forget I went to a church to run a meeting. They said, Lord Watkins, you're baptizing a lot of people. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina in the 80s. That first baptism, we baptized 300 precious souls. Little old lady came up to me. She said, Elder Watkins, guess what? We appreciate what you're doing, but these people you're bringing into the church, they are poor, they are troubled people. They're gonna mess our church up. We need some quality people. I mean, we need some folks that can contribute. We're in a building program. We don't need these poor people here. We don't need these educated, uneducated people here. We need some upper crust. Oh boy. <laughs> now that gets my dander up a little bit. I want you to know that. Because yeah. I know where I came from. Yeah. I know a little Adventist preacher pitched a tent 70 years ago in Dayton, Ohio when Adventist preachers would do evangelism back then. And my mother on her way walking to work from cleaning somebody's house, walked past the tent and she heard an Adventist preacher preaching this third angel's message. She walked on past, came the next night on her way home, walked past the tent and the preacher made the appeal. He said, there's somebody, God's trying to do something for you and your children. My mother stopped, went under the tent, gave her heart to the Lord that night. This little poor Southern Mississippi girl heard the word of God and God changed her life. Amen. Oh, he's a radical God. He doesn't just appeal to those who have sustenance. Amen. But he appeals, appeals to the lowly, Amen. the rejected, the widow, the nobodies. I'm so glad God takes nobodies and makes them somebody. Amen. And this man comes to Jesus. It's a big argument. A big argument. Jesus shows up on the scene. It's a big argument. They are arguing and debating and fussing about things that don't really matter. Jesus shows up. Isn't that what Adventists do a lot? Don't we fuss and fight about some of the silliest stuff? What color the carpet is? The music is too loud. 
Why do we have drums? Stuff that don't really matter. They're raising all kinds of cane. Jesus said, why are you arguing with my disciples? They said, and a man stands forth. He said, Master, listen, I brought my son who has a devil. Brought him here. He foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth. But not only that, my son throws himself in the fire. He tries to drown himself. Look at that boy, master. There he is over there. Your disciples couldn't do anything to help him. Look at him, master. His hair, his scalp is all bruised and bloody. There are sores all over his body, oozing pus-filled sores, scabs everywhere. Look at him, master. His eyes are shut. His breathing is shadow. Look at him, master. Your disciples couldn't do anything to help him. Look at him there, on the ground, wallowing. Look at him there, brain damage from where he tried to drown himself and not enough oxygen went to his brain. Look at him, my son, it's a mess. I thought if there's one place or one group of people that I ought to be able to take my child to and he would get deliverance would have been your disciples. Aren't y'all Sabbath keepers? Don't y'all have a health message? Don't you have hospitals? Jesus, I've heard how you've healed the sick. I even heard that you raised the dead man. Aren't they your disciples? I even hear that you made a new kind of medicine for the blind. That one day you spit in the mud. Played with it in your hands. And then put it on a dead man's eyes. And he declared, I see men like trees walking. And your disciples could do nothing. You see, the world is looking at the church. We ought to have some kind of power. They're not impressed with our buildings. They're not impressed with our revelation seminars. They're not impressed that we wear our dresses long. They're not impressed that we don't wear makeup, that we wear, don't wear makeup. They're not impressed that we don't eat cheese, <laughs> that we are vegan. That doesn't impress them. They come to us expecting that we ought to have something that the Baptists don't have, the Methodists don't have, the Catholics don't have, but when we act just like everybody else, there is no difference. There ought to be a difference between God's people and everybody else. Can somebody say amen out here in Vancouver? Amen. Ought to be something different about us. Why did he bring his son to the disciples? Because he had heard about what God could do, and he thought that the disciples ought to have the same kind of power. We've got too many churches. But the choir is singing without power. Too many praise teams sounding good, but no power. Too many deacons lifting up the offering, but they have no power. 
too many preachers standing in the pulpit. I'm not going to be careful. <laughs> too many preachers in the pulpit telling Uncle Arthur stories instead of preaching the third angel's message. Come on, say amen. Amen. Yes. Preach it. Preach it. And the world looks at us and they wonder. I thought this was the remnant church. I thought you had power. I thought you were peculiar people. But now we're looking like everybody else. Well, I guess this is my last time coming. <laughs> To prepare, y'all gonna propel me out of here. Reach it, Reach it. Master, I brought my son. Desperation, I came because I thought I heard this was a place where I could get forgiven. I heard this was a place where change takes place. I heard that the power of God was with you. So I thought that it would also be with your people. But they are impotent. They have a form of godliness. They look righteous. They act rightly righteous. They dress righteous. They eat righteous. But they don't have the power of God upon them. Jesus says, listen. He says in Mark, bring the boy to me. I like a confident God, don't you? Amen. Jesus knew he had the juice. I've been watching the NBA playoffs. I like when the game is on the line. The superstars always say, give me the ball. Pass it to me. Let me take the last shot. That's how Jesus is. He says, if they can't take care of it, I can handle it. If they don't have the power, I've got the power. If they don't have the juice, I've got the juice. Yeah. A confident Jesus. Bring him to me. Get them, bring the boy to me. What Jesus was simply saying is, the mistake is, you took your child to the wrong place. You, to the wrong power source. You see, God has a power source. The problem with so many Adventists is we are plugging into the wrong socket. You thought the health message was where the power was. You thought dress reform was where the power was. You thought if I get the ordination and the brethren lay hands on me, then I've got power. If I get hired by the conference, I've got power. But I got news for you tonight. The power is not in the building, not in the testimonies. The power is when you are connected to the power source. Amen. That's where the power comes from. 
Jesus says, bring him to me. Bring me the boy. Look at the boy. Bring him. He can't even walk. He can't even find Jesus. Look at him. His body is smelling. His clothes are sticking to his flesh. Look at the boy. He's a mess. But if there's one person that can clean up a mess, it's Jesus. He can clean up a mess. And they bring the mess to Jesus. To Jesus. I'm so glad that I've got a God who will step in your mess. I grew up in Ohio. Dayton, Ohio. And I remember we had a high school party at my house after the prom. Had a little pretty girlfriend. I was dressed real nice. I knew I had it going on. I went out to the car to get my little date. Going up on the farm, you know, you got horses and cows and chickens. And I'm walking with her on my arm in my house. Lo and behold, I put my right foot down and I had stepped in some cow, what? Mess. I was so embarrassed, so embarrassed. I tried to on the ground, on the grass, but the stench was following me everywhere I was going. I couldn't get it off my shoe. My little date was standing next to me and I could tell she was embarrassed. And she could barely take me smelling the way I was smelling with that stuff on my shoe. But I got a water hose and I just put it on my shoe and got all of that mess off and started all over again. God has a water hose. Did you hear me? Yes. And no matter what we've gotten ourselves into, no matter what we've stepped into, God can wash us off. Can I get a witness up in here? That's the kind of God we serve. He will clean us up so good, nobody will ever know you stepped in it. Amen. So the mess comes to Jesus. And Jesus rebukes that devil. But the devil doesn't give up right away. He throws the boy to the ground. And the Bible says he torments him and he's scrolling around like a snake being tortured by this demon. Now Jesus speaks and says, come out of him and trouble him no more. There are people who are troubled out there who don't know how to help themselves. That's what the Adventist church is all about. Showing people who don't know how to help themselves that they can be helped. Amen. I don't know about you. I thank God for the Adventist message. There are so many Adventists who will be lost, not because they were not faithful with their tithes and offerings, not because they didn't attend Sabbath school, not because they didn't practice health reform or dress reform, but many will miss out 
on the kingdom of heaven because they have never discovered that they are their brother's keeper. It would be better for us if we had never, listen to me now. It would be better for us if we had never joined the church than to have joined it and neglected our mission. Oh, I call him. Why are the Watkins? Because to whom much is given, much is required. What an awesome responsibility placed upon us. If I don't warn the world, Ellen White says, there are people who are going to Christless graves. There are some people who will only respond to you. See this couple right here, husband and wife. This man is not the only man that courted you. He's a handsome guy. But you had some more suitors, am I right? Was it his money? No. (laughs) Wasn't his money. Mm -hmm. But you chose him, right? And I know he's a handsome guy. But I'm sure there were some more handsome guys, right? Some of them had hair, am I right? You chose him. There was some connection. It was him, not those who had more money or more hair. You chose him. There was that connection. Ladies and gentlemen, there are people in our communities who will only respond to you. And if you don't go out, they will go to a Christless grave and you will have to answer in the judgment. Oh, I wish our church could understand that. I wish every preacher in this union ought to be here. Every member ought to be here. Those disciples, they did that man an injustice because this was the moment that God had called them for and they blew it. They blew an opportunity. What if Jesus had not shown up? He bailed them out. But what if Jesus had allowed them to fall flat on their face? But this radical God we serve, he does the exact opposite. They were walking around calling themselves disciples. Proud, arrogant. I'm a part of his inner circle. I'm the remnant. We don't, I don't eat meat. I'm a vegetarian. I got all this going for me. I'm a seven day at Venice. But a seven day at Venice Without, pow- without power. It's like a light switch with no electricity. An Adventist who is not connected to God 
It's like eating rice with no peas. If you're West Indian, you'll get that. (laughs) Here we are as a church in these last days when the earth and time, the prophetic clock has ticked out. The only thing left is for Jesus to come. This is the moment in history where we ought to be about our father's business. Not conference business, but our father's business. Not union business, but our father's business. This is our greatest moment for those who profess to be followers of Christ. I don't want to be just a normal seven-day Adventist. I want to be a radical seven-day Adventist. I don't want to just tell stories. I want to preach the gospel with power. I don't want to be a preacher that just stands up. I want to be a preacher that opens up the doors and invite people to come to Jesus. You don't want to be just a regular layman. Be a radical layman, one who will knock on doors. One who will tell people about the saving power of God. I'm telling you what the power of God can do. I'm ending, Pastor, but I got to tell this story. I tell it everywhere I go. I was in Kingston, Jamaica. I flew into Jamaica. You may have heard it before, but you'll hear it again because it's true. I'm telling you what God can do. We started a church there in Spanish Town, Jamaica. About 450 people were baptized. I flew back to Atlanta, flew back into Jamaica, waiting for a guy to pick me up from the airport. He didn't come. So taxi drivers, Jamaican taxi drivers with their strong accents surrounded me. They were all trying to take my bag to their car. I said, no, I can't go. I'm waiting for somebody to come and pick me up. Finally, the crowd of Jamaican taxi drivers with their accents, give me your bag, give me your bag. I said, no. Finally, the crowd disappeared. And walking toward me was this tall Jamaican guy. He had to be about six feet five. Country boy from the bush, muscles everywhere. Thighs as thick as tree trunks. Muscles everywhere. Here I was, this little American boy. He looked at me and he said, give me your bag. You know what I did? I stuck my chest out. But then the spirit spoke to me and I gave him my bag. (laughs) He said, follow me. So I followed him to his taxi. He said, get in the back seat. I got in the back seat. He said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Spanish town, Jamaica. I'm going to check on some people there. 
He said, no problem, man, no problem, man. We started towards Spanish Town, a trip that takes about 45 minutes. It was in the evening time. That 45 minutes turned into an hour. The sun started setting and it became so dark. And when it gets black in Jamaica, it's darker than a thousand midnights. We're driving and then I see a sign and an arrow pointing this way, Spanish town. But the car is going this way. An hour and a half now, two hours. We're still riding now. Fear is setting in. I usually travel with a little Bible in my chest. I start to hold it, start praying. I think he's getting ready to do something to me now. I'm looking for an escape. I try the door to open it from the inside. It will not open. And finally, he said, what are you doing in my country? I said, I'm a seven-day Adventist minister. I'm thinking that's going to make things better, you know, because one in every seven Jamaicans is an Adventist on the island. I'm a seven-day Adventist preacher. And when I said that, things got even hotter. I should have said I was a Baptist preacher. <laughs> he said, you in my country preaching a white man's religion. I got a problem with that. He was a Rastafarian. He had long locks of hair that had been waxed down. I just knew I had messed up. And we're starting to talk, starting to talk. Finally, the car stops. And his voice is still high, fussing at me. And I'm praying, Lord, get me out of this. Get me out of this somehow. I know I'm going to die. You know, the mind is a terrible thing. It's playing tricks with me. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, I'm going to die. There's going to be a picture of me in the back of the Review and Herald. Adventist preacher's body found on the side of the road. All these things running through my mind. If I die, is my wife going to marry somebody else? Is my kids going to call somebody else daddy? All these things going through my mind. The car stops. It's so dark, he gets out of the car, opens up the door from the outside, and he says, get out of the car. Get out of the car. He says it a third time, get out of the car. And I sit there and I'm praying. But I'm praying, I've got this radical prayer going on. That radical prayer is you pray with one eye closed and the other one open. <laughs> radical prayer. And I'm praying. And finally he says, I know you, preacher. I know you. I said, how do you know me? He said, I know you. You the preacher that baptized my wife. And my six children and my mother-in-law. You did it. You changed my whole household. You did it. I couldn't deny it. I knew time was ticking. Probation had run out for me. 
my life was about to end I started confessing every sin that I could remember and the ones that I couldn't remember I said Lord forgive me for what I can't remember and then he said something that shook my world Brad he said preacher I know you think I'm about to do you harm he said but let me tell you something I was just testing your religion I'm not going to do you harm. He said, you did baptize my wife. And you did baptize my six children. He said, you baptized my evil mother-in-law. <laughs> True story. He said, if your God can do that, I believe your God can do something for me. When the car stopped, we were at the ocean he said preacher if your god can do that can you baptize me too i got out of the car immediately kicked my shoes off took my pants off marched him down to the ocean and i baptized him in the name of the father in the name of the son and in the name of the holy ghost i'm telling you what the power of god can do don't you that's radical yes God will do whatever he has to do to bring men to himself I don't understand it but God understands it yes, let God have his way get in the way and let God use you Amen. what is this thing all about propelled a propeller a propeller takes and depends on the engine. Even a cell can be like a propeller. Let God be the engine inside of your heart. Let him push you in the right direction. Like the preacher preached tonight, when you preach, preach with power. Cry loud and spare not. Tell it like it is. Amen, praise the Lord, yes. We become so comfortable, we wanna rub the cat the right way. Sometimes you got to rub the cat the wrong way in order to get his attention. Tonight, I believe in my heart that God is starting something great out here in the West. I believe that. This is no accident. Propel this. This wasn't your idea or your organization's idea. God put this thought in you it's time for some radicals in the Adventist church those will stand up like Joseph Bates like Uriah Smith like James White like Edson White that's what we need people who will take the message out there Amen. I don't know about you Lord make me an instrument make me an instrument of your peace make use me Lord use me up Somebody said, Elder Watkins, how could you preach every night with COVID? Every night, how could you go there? I said I could go there because there were fish on the hook. And somebody had to reel them in. Every day of my life, 45 years, I've been fishing. Sometimes I catch bass. 
Sometimes I catch salmon. Sometimes I catch perch. Sometimes I even catch a catfish. <laughs> but it's all right. God can change a catfish into a bass. You know that, don't you? God can do that. I've seen God do it. I've seen God clean up drunks. I've seen prostitutes become ushers. Amen. Yes. Seen drunkards become elders. I tell you what God can do. How many of you want to be used by God? Tonight. 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 The challenge is not for us to be ordinary Adventists. The call is for us to be radical Adventists. I'm tired of being like the majority of Adventists. Lord, make me different. Give me unusual power. Power to proclaim. Power to cast out demons. Power to call men out of darkness. Give me courage to preach the truth and nothing but the truth. Give me courage to stand up to church leaders who want to fight me instead of fight the devil. Give me courage to stand on the walls of Zion and cry loud and spare night. Give me power, Lord. Not just ordinary power, but radical power. So that men and women can look and say, that's a man of God. He's been with God. She's been with God. That's the difference. Let me step out of my cultural box. See, radicals are not constrained by culture or education. They follow the will of God. Eternal Father, we come tonight. We're not satisfied with who we are. Not satisfied with just having our names on the road. Not satisfied with just knowing the truth. Going to church every Sabbath. Reading a Sabbath school lesson. Eating the right kinds of food. All of that has its place. But you've called us for this time. To tell somebody that Jesus still restores. That he can make a change in your life. That no matter how far you've fallen, God can pick you up and clean you off. That's what propelled is God. Give me power. Push me in the right direction. He'll restore your mind. He'll restore your heart. He'll restore your desire. Oh God, I remember how my church used to be. How we used to warn people. How we used to sense the urgency of the third angel's message. Oh God, restore that vision back to us again. Do it in Vancouver. Do it all over this North American division, Lord. We need to be restored. Bring back the joy. Bring back the commitment, oh God. If you won't do it for anybody else here tonight, Lord, do it for me. Do it for me, Lord. Do it for me. Don't let me. Don't let me go to hell.
without warning somebody. Don't let me be lost simply because I was not my brother's keeper. Now Jesus, we thank you for this conference. We thank you Lord for those who have planned it. For the vision that you planted in their hearts. Propelled by your spirit, oh Holy Spirit, sweet communion of the Holy Spirit. Breathe your sweet fragrance upon us. May the odor permeate our bodies so that when we go home, our church members will sense and smell that we've been with God. May some of the odor that you put on us rub off on them, Lord. And as a result of this conference, Lord, may we see souls added to your kingdom. This is our desire. In the blessed name of Jesus, let everybody say amen. And amen. And amen. At the Propel Conference, we put a special emphasis on reflection. And as you listen to Elder Watkins speak, what was the big idea for you? How will you apply this in your own ministry? And when this episode finishes in another minute or so, I encourage you to pause and just reflect for five or 10 minutes. Just let your mind wander, make new connections in your mind. This reflection time can really help you integrate what you just heard into your own ministry experience. Okay, that's it for this episode. We'd love to hear from you. You can shoot us an email at podcast at propelconference.org. And mark your calendar for the next Propel Conference coming back to Vancouver, Washington, April 28 to May 1, 2024. Special thanks to Dr. Calvin Watkins for speaking at the Propel Conference this year and to Seminars Unlimited for sponsoring this episode. This has been the Propel Podcast, inspiration and training to grow your church. The Propel Podcast is sponsored by the North Pacific Union Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. The event recording services were provided by Adventist Learning Community. And the podcast is produced by the crew at Sermonview Evangelism Marketing. I'm Larry Witzel, wishing you God's richest blessing in your evangelistic journey. Please join us again next time for another episode of The Propel Podcast. Propel Podcast.